lot changed, huh? You got the phone. Pick it up. Call me. How come we don't even talk no more? And you don't even call no more? We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more. And I heard it through the grapevine. We even beefing now. After all the years we've been down. Ain't no way, no how. This bullshit can't be true. We family. Ain't a damn thing changed. Today's program, we are bringing the heat, we are bringing the fire. On the program today, we've got ATP Tour Tennis. Stefanos Sissipas takes out the seizing ending title in London. We've got Federation Cup. Australia find a way to lose to the French. We've got some NFL action scores from over the weekend. And we've got NBA action. LeBron James is tearing the league apart. How is the Battle of Los Angeles going? It's an action-packed show on today's program. This is No Holds Barred. To be all spitting the verse on my own album with a deal, but shit got worse. So I came out, I would have killed the nigga first before I let him disrespect me or check me over some worse. Some bitch that I was. And we are back. Settle in, settle in, settle in. We have got an action packed show. Good to be back on the airwaves. Plenty to talk about on today's episode, No Holds Barred Sports Podcast, your host, Jade Colf at The Colf Man, and plenty going on in the sports world, great game uh, this afternoon, Celtics and Clippers, more about that soon, Clippers uh, get through in overtime, Celtics look impressive, no Gordon Haywood today, but I'll tell you what, they're going to win their 55, possibly 60 games out east. Not too sure if they'll have enough to get through Giannis and the Bucks. That guy is in absolute beast mode right now. And over a seven-game series, I'm not too sure uh, they have what it takes to, to stop him. They have plenty of, plenty of troops to throw at him, uh, that's for sure. But it was a good one there on ESPN earlier on. Clippers got out of trouble. They were in a lot of, a lot of strife. Uh, trailed by 10 in the fourth, but uh, some breakdowns uh, by the Celtics late. Uh, but both teams going pretty well. Clippers moved to 10 and 5. Celtics uh, 10 and 3, I believe, on the year. And uh, look, they've started well. Yeah, a little bit more about that here soon. I've got. I'm going to touch on a little bit of uh, NFL action. Lamar Jackson continues to light up the league. Uh, Russell Wilson. Quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he uh, has jumped out to MVP uh, favorite after his last couple of weeks. Uh, he's uh, he's been uh, nothing short uh, short of amazing as uh, Russell Wilson. Tom Brady and the Patriots still ticking along very nicely. They play the Cowboys in what will be a blockbuster uh, coming up uh, this uh, this weekend. Uh, we have. 
ATP Tour Tennis. We've got the Federation Cup. We're going to start the show off talking about that. And we're going to wrap up the show with uh, our NBA segment, LeBron James continuing to power his way through the league. Uh, We're going to touch on how he's doing that, uh, how the Lakers are looking, and uh, we're also going to touch on uh, the Houston Rockets once again. Uh, They went down to the Denver Nuggets today uh, quite comfortably. The Nuggets took care of business. They're going about their business quietly, and they are going to be uh, thereabouts when the whips are cracking later on in the season. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on James Harden. We've got a cold face, uh, a cold face segment, and we're going to keep it in Australia for the cold face segment. We've got uh, a little bit of National Rugby League action to talk about, and it's not what you probably think it is. We're going to talk about the off season and what seems to be a regular, regular occurrence uh, in the off season of the NRL, and it's probably not good for. The reputation of the league, but I'll tell you what, it is highly entertaining. And every time the off-season rolls around, there is plenty of action for all the wrong reasons. We're going to touch on that, uh, so stay tuned for the coal face segment uh, a little bit later on in the show. But we're going to start off with Federation Cup, and it was the French who got the victory over uh, the rampaging favourites Australia over there in Perth on a slow blue hard court. And uh, look, it's the one that uh, really got away from Australia. Ashley Barty uh, coming in, number one player in the world. Um, and uh, she started very, very well. The tie was tied up at one, uh, one match apiece. Uh, and then uh, we went into uh, day two, uh, only two day, uh, two day events. And uh, day two and Barty... Uh, went down in uh, a heartbreaker, 7-6 in the third set. Uh, and uh, Alia Tomjanovic came in and uh, got the victory to, to tie it up at 2-all. And then the doubles was an absolute disaster. Sam Stoza and, and Ashley Barty and the girls were, were thoroughly outplayed uh, by the French pair. Uh, Garcia did a great job to bounce back after her diabolical performance against Barty, uh, not even winning... Uh, one single game. I don't know what was going on there, um, but an embarrassing, uh, embarrassing scoreline that's for sure. And uh, they just they just played better doubles there at the end, and uh, absolutely heartbreaking for Australia to to lose that. Uh, Stoza and Barty uh, going down six four six three in the doubles tie, losing uh, the tie three matches to two to France. And I'm just going to say. In terms of the location of the tie and the surface being played over there in Perth on a slow, hard court, uh, I really think if Australia do the proper thing, play the tie in Melbourne at High Sense Arena on a traditional grass court, I think they, uh, there's no doubt about it that they, uh, they get the victory on home soil and win their first Fed Cup in 45 years. But with... Perth losing the Hopman Cup this year with the ATP Cup, which is going to be taking place in Adelaide and Sydney, uh, the new teams event uh, where it's country-based and not individual-based. It's got a bit of a team-based concept. The first time it's been introduced uh, will be this uh, this January in 2020. Uh, I believe the location of the 
tie over there in Perth was basically a little bit of politics involved. And, you know, coming in uh, with Ashley Barty uh, finishing the year, world number one, winning the, the lucrative season-ending championships in China, pocketing well over $6 million, uh, coming in, she uh, she wins both her matches and, uh, you know, Australia win that tie. But playing it on a slow, hard court really brought her back to the pack, especially in that uh, decisive uh, rubber against uh, Miladovic, I believe it was. And losing 7-6 uh, in the third set really threw uh, a curveball into the tie. Now, Tomljanovic was able to uh, get Australia back on track and get to 2 all, but uh, you could see both girls were very, very tight, both Barty and Stoza in that third and, and decisive, uh, well, in the fifth, the fifth and decisive rubber, and uh, they pulled up uh, terribly short. Uh, it's an absolute heartbreaker, and look, bad decisions have been made uh, from the get-go in terms of the location of the tide, the surface, uh, you know, I think having the home court advantage and losing it at home in the final is what's well, really unacceptable. And you look at the choice of surface, I believe the blue hard court was the least, uh, blue slow hard court was the least favorable for our team, for our roster, for our girls, uh, for, for the Australian team. And you look at a, a clay surface, uh, Barty. The current French Open champion, Stoza's made two French Open finals. And, uh, you know, Clay uh, may have been a, a, a more favorable surface uh, for our team, for our style. Uh, but definitely grass, a, a slow traditional, uh, a fast traditional grass court uh, where the ball stays low. And uh, Barty could utilize her world-class slice backhand. Definitely gets the job done. So very disappointing. Congratulations to Julian Beneteau and uh, the French team. They probably came over here with no expectations and probably thought, oh, we've got to, we've got to travel to Australia for this final. We're going to get our butt kicked. Uh, you know, but the, all their Christmases came at once when the surface was, uh, w- was chosen and they just went with the surface that, uh, that they have over there at the, the Perth Arena and it turned out to be, look, Australia got complacent. They got complacent. Uh, they lost their edge. They got lazy with their decision-making uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and uh, the truth is um, they made poor decisions and it cost them uh, the Federation Cup. And it's something that you do not get back, uh, a home tie uh, in the Fed Cup. And uh, with changes to the format, I believe, moving forward, that is the last opportunity that that uh, Australian team will have uh, to win it. An absolute heartbreaker. Um, should never have happened. Uh, but when you make the wrong decisions uh, behind the scenes leading into the tie and it is not pure and it's not truth, uh, you get found out. And that's what happened to the Australian team in this one here. Disappointing. But congratulations to the French. And... Uh, the Australian women have to pick themselves up and uh, and move on. And season 2020, new challenges, uh, new formats, and uh, world tennis is changing. Not too sure it is for the better, uh, but it is changing nonetheless. And as we know, if you do not like change, 
uh, you're going to be one very, very unhappy uh, human being. This is Jade Kolf at The Kolf Man. You're listening to No Holds Barred. Yep. Decision making. Poor. Decision making. Decision making. It's a skill. And they got that one wrong. Got complacent. And complacency makes you vulnerable. And it went the French way. And you don't get that one back. Tough one to round out the season for... Tennis Australia and the women's national team. Sticking to tennis, we are moving on to the men's side of things. And just last week, Stefanos Sissipas shocked the world and won the season-ending ATP Tour Championships over there in London. And got to admit, didn't see this coming at all. And, well, he just played uh, fantastic tennis uh, when it mattered most. He took out the great Roger Federer in the semifinal uh, quite comfortably, the scoreline. But another match from Roger where just had countless, countless breakpoint opportunities, 13 breakpoint opportunities, I believe it was. And uh, he converted one of 13 breakpoint opportunities where Sissipas, uh, the Greek youngster, uh, converted his break points. Uh, I believe he only had probably four break points, I think it was, and converted uh, two, possibly three of those. Very similar match to uh, the Australian Open fourth round contest where Federer went down in four sets and he just had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and could not close at all. Very similar in the second set, Federer, uh, you could see the frustration and he just basically boiled over and uh, look, uh, really disappointing uh, for Roger there. But we've seen this before time and time again, creating countless opportunities and and not closing it out. And uh, Sissipas played with... Uh, Played with plenty of fire and played with no fear, and and he went, got through to the final. The other semi-final, uh, Dominic Team uh, took out big uh, Alex Zverev in straight sets. A great event from Team. He took out Novak Djokovic uh, in the round robin format, and uh, Djokovic uh, not going through, losing to Dominic Team and Roger Federer uh, picked him apart as well. Uh, Novak, a comfortable win over the Italian Berrettini, who was there for the first time. Uh, he was a little bit out of his depth, uh, and uh, it's a big step up. And in the other, uh, said the other half, Dominic Team and Zverev got through. Nadal thought he'd done enough uh, coming back from 5 1 down to get through uh, over Medvedev, and he also had a win over. Uh, Pass, which was a long three-setter, but then uh, Zverev come out and uh, took care of business, and Nadal missed out. So he's currently in Madrid for the uh, the new formatted Davis Cup, 
uh, format over there, a week-long extravaganza of tennis. There's been plenty of talk about that. We'll touch on that, not on today's show, but uh, later on in the week as that event uh, starts to come to a close. But, you know, the final was an absolute all-timer with Sissipas and Dominic Team. Both guys, I did point out, three of the four... Uh, semi-finalists there in London all have one-handed backhands, so uh, a real win there for those that that love uh, seeing one-handers as opposed to the, uh, the, I guess, the more popular or the more widely used two-hand backhand at the uh, at the professional level of the game. Um, but it was a win for the uh, for the attacking one-hander, and Sissipas and team have two of uh, the most, uh, I guess you could say, uh, stylish one-hand backhands uh, in the world. And, you know, this match was uh, was an all-time. It went back and forth. Uh, and in the end, it was, uh, was Sissipas who held his nerve in the tiebreak. You could really see he, he really stuck to his patterns of play. And at four all in the third set tiebreak, uh, he di- directed all his attention to the Dominic team forehand, and it was three forehand errors uh, from team, which he'll be bitterly disappointed with. He missed an unforced error uh, long uh, at four all, uh, and then a really long and uh, you know physical point. He made another forehand into the net, and then. Uh, Sissipas second serve went out to the forehand uh, of Dominic Team and Team caught it late. Was so tight on that forehand side and the ball never even went close. And just like that, Sissipas uh, was the new ATP Tour season-ending champion. And it's a shock. 21 years of age. He's had a, a great year. I believe four titles on the uh, on the ATP Tour and. Yeah, a really, really, uh, I guess you could say it's, it's a shock, a shock win uh, to round out the season uh, for the men, the individual season. As I said, Davis Cup going on right now. But Sissipas um, won where, you know, he's uh, he's definitely a threat. He's definitely a threat for slams now. Uh, best of five is different. We do know that over two weeks. And it's still Nadal, Djokovic, and the great Roger Federer who... Uh, until uh, someone's able to break through, other than those three, uh, to win uh, to win a major, uh, the talk will still be uh, those three guys. Uh, you know, the best of three format, completely completely different to the slams, and Sissipas uh, well deserved winning the ATP Tour uh, Championships. What I do like about this young guy, uh, look, he's got very positive body language. That's for sure. He just oozes confidence out there on the court, and he uh, he loves the fight. He uh, you know he's very very well spoken. Uh, he, he has the confidence in himself. Uh, that's for sure. And mentally, very very switched on. Uh, loved what he did tactically uh, in each one of his matches. There, uh, he's a real student of the game, and he knew exactly what to do when the heat was on. And he directed the traffic, the majority of the traffic, to the Dominic team forehand. And eventually it was the forehand that broke down uh, from the Austrian. And Sissipas uh, getting the title there in London. So very, very well deserved. He's got uh, a lot of physical tools. And the forehand has improved out of sight. 
um, from 18 months ago, as well as the serve. And that back end is a thing of beauty, can come over it uh, with huge power, can slice, uh, can come forward as well. Very, very good at the net, uh, technically very sound, and he is a, a, a super athlete as well, moves well, uh, can play both defense and attack. Uh, he's, uh, he's just about very close to the total, uh, the total package. I still don't think the serve is uh, of the absolute elite level. And I'm not too sure the forehand is, even though it has improved. There's less errors off that side. And he is upgrading, running around the backhand and upgrading to the forehand as much as possible, which is uh, definitely the modern game uh, at the highest, highest level. But congratulations, Stefanos Sissipas. The Australian Open will roll around here very, very quickly in January. And uh, he's one to look out for. Very curious to see how... uh, how Sissipas and the other uh, next-gen players can transition into the best of five. Uh, It's right there for them, uh, but the best of five sets is a totally different animal, and so is Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer over the long distance. They've shown it time and time again, and until uh, they are knocked off over the five-set format... Uh, we will continue uh, to not uh, really expect and pump up uh, these guys that much because, uh, as we know, the Grand Slams are where it matters. But Stefano Sissipas, uh, top 10 player, new champion, ATP Tour, season-ending champion, and uh, congratulations to him. This is No Holds Barred. Yep, Sissipas. I will be honest, I did not see that coming. I did not see him winning back-to-back elite-level matches like that. Was Didn't see him coming out of the group stage. But he wins it all. So, uh, he may have arrived. He may be on the cusp of breaking through that's uh, still just 21, so exciting times for world tennis with uh, some pressure on the big three. I'm going to segue on to some NFL football, and the Baltimore Ravens continue to march on with that man, Lamar Jackson, at quarterback. Uh, the multifaceted, multidimensional, dynamic quarterback and he continues to get the job done and they are looking very very good we do continue to talk about that possible matchup once again between uh, Bill Belichick Tom Brady and the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens Uh, they are on a collision course uh, there in the uh, in the AFC they're the two teams that look most likely Kansas City Chiefs you know, they are really hot and cold. Patrick Mahomes been, uh, been injured, just uh, working his way back in. So they're a little bit uh, a little bit more unsettled than what they were there last year. But uh, it's Brady. It's still Brady and the Patriots. Uh, they are looking uh, look very, very good. 
you know, the receiving core that the Patriots have, uh, they really don't have a whole lot. But uh, look, their defense, uh, absolutely elite defense, elite coaching, elite quarterback play. And that's that's what you need time and time again. The Patriots uh, continue uh, to to get the job done. They always seem to go through a little bit, uh, a little bit of a uh, poor patch kind of mid-season, and they're sort of going through that right now. A little bit of, uh, uh, even though they've only they've only lost the one game. I mean, let's be honest here. They are, they are still going well, but Brady's got no one to throw the ball to. And, um, you know, but with the coaching, the elite coaching, you know, they find a way. They've got that elite defense. And as long as they're in games, but uh, the Ravens, they look like a real threat uh, to this uh, to this Patriots outfit. Lamar Jackson, uh, he's doing it all. He's improving week in, week out, throwing the football. We know he, uh, his running power. Uh, he's as uh, explosive uh, as ever, as dynamic as ever. Really... Uh, He's the he's the best that we've seen do this since uh, since the enig, enig, enigmatic uh, Michael Vick, uh, Mick Vick, and uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. That's for sure. Russell Wilson with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They had an absolute uh, belter of a contest with the San Francisco 49ers. That one going to overtime, and Russell Wilson uh, single handedly continues to get it done uh, for this Seahawks. Uh, outfit. There are eight and two, and Wilson uh, MVP favorite uh, at this stage. So, as the NFL season continues to progress, the out and out contenders uh, are starting to shorten. You're looking at uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Baltimore Ravens with uh, with Lamar Jackson. Those guys are flying. Brady and the Patriots. Looking at the the Saints. New Orleans Saints, they are, they are ticking along nicely. Drew Brees, the Hall of Fame quarterback, and the Kansas City Chiefs, they remain dangerous. Uh, but really, outside of that, it's really hard to find, uh, you know, teams that really can get the job done uh, at the business end. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, they looked, uh, they looked like Super Bowl favorites there three weeks ago, but... Uh, starting to show some cracks, and it is a long season. Uh, big contest uh, coming up this weekend. Brady and the Patriots against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cow- Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Cowboys still the biggest brand in in uh, in in all all of the NFL, uh, really in all of pro sports. I think I think on Forbes Forbes magazine they were the uh, the most expensive franchise if you were in the market. To buy, so you know the Cowboys are just a great brand. They're not elite uh, this year. They haven't had that much success um, since uh, Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith days uh, back in the day. But uh, you know they're hanging on at six and four. They play Brady and the Patriots. That is going to be all eyes on that contest. Monday night football. Uh, it should be a beauty. That'll be the ratings will be absolutely. Uh, sky high for that one there, but uh, we will keep you posted on how that one goes down here at No Holds Barred, and uh, the NFL season uh, really, uh, some of those teams are starting to separate themselves, and 
the Super Bowl winner will be in one of those six to seven teams. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are also dangerous just because of uh, Aaron Rodgers' quarterback ability. But uh, some of those teams, uh, as I said, the Ravens and especially the Patriots, I think those guys are, are a class above. And Wilson, MVP, favourite uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. He's having an outstanding season. NFL, we'll bring it to you on the next episode, and especially the, the Cowboys and the uh, the New England Patriots should be a beauty Monday night football, not to be missed. Up next, we are going to bring you the coalface. Yes, the heat and the hammer will be dropped on the coalface. We are talking... Uh, NRL off-season. Yep, the NRL off-season. Highly entertaining, but a big concern uh, for league chief Todd Greenberg. More about that after the break. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. This is No Holds Barred. Oh, yeah, you got to love this time of the year. We've got uh, the NFL, teams are starting to settle. They're starting to settle, and the the best teams starting to separate themselves. And uh, it gets uh, more and more edgy as the playoffs approach. And you've got those games where, you know, must-win games, otherwise teams fall out. So uh, it gets uh, gets super intense, and the NBA season, uh, we're about 12 to 15 games in. So it's awesome. It's plenty going on. And we'll get to the NBA uh, after this segment here, but great time of uh, great time of the the year for American sports as they as they cross over. In saying that, we're going to segue on to the next segment, and it is the golf face. Yes, it's the golf face where we talk about a particular topic that is creating concern, and this one's been on the agenda for a while, and there has been. Um, a real push uh, to have this one on the show. Uh, people have been talking about it out there. Uh, they've been saying, surely it's got to go on the coalface. And today is the day. And we are talking about the National Rugby League competition. And as we know, when the off-season rolls around in the Australian sports, the AFL, Australian Football League, and then and the NRL, the Rugby League, the National Rugby League competition... Athletes and players uh, have got more time than they do, obviously, throughout the year. And, you know, throughout the year, uh, they are obviously full-time training. The sports uh, have become full-time now. Back in the, you know, even upwards of the the early 90s, there was still, uh, you know, you'd play your uh you'd play your your sport on a, on a Saturday whether it was the AFL or whether it was um you know the, the rugby league uh, in the national competition and some some guys uh, even had still had still had jobs during the week I definitely know it was going on in the 80s and then even in the early 90s and then came the professionalism and the, the full-time professionalism with contracts going up salaries going up and what this has done has caused real problems in the off season uh, and every year, it seems to be the same thing with the NRL, with the National Rugby League. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, the AFL, they have some um, 
some issues uh, every so often with players. They go away on holidays, uh, you know, they get on the drink, uh, they party, they let their hair down, and casualties are inevitable. And, you know, this is not just an NRL thing. Uh, it can be an AFL thing too, but the NRL, uh, I think, is clearly in front and clear-cut when it comes to uh, behaviour uh, in the off-season. And once again, this has been... Uh, it's been like the Wild West once again uh, in Sydney uh, for the National Rugby League Code and uh, CEO and uh, Rugby League boss Todd Greenberg every... Seems to be every uh, every week or every other week uh, he's in the paper uh, because there's another issue of uh, an, an NRL player or an NRL star who, uh, whether it's here in Australia or there's been a couple of inst- instances over uh, in Asia, uh, over on holidays, boys are on the gas, boys are on the sauce, on the drink, going hard, um, you know, fighting in nightclubs, beating up security guards. It is just absolutely nonstop out of control and it is getting ridiculous. Uh, people are tired of it. Um, as I said earlier on in the show, highly entertaining, absolutely highly entertaining. And some of the stupidity that you read uh, about that some of these players, uh, some of the situations that they get themselves into uh, is absolutely ridiculous. There's been um, instances so far this offseason, um, more often than not, um, you know, younger guys, uh, 20, 21 years of age, 22 years of age, um, that are just absolutely out of control. And at what stage do you... Uh, does does the league really take uh, responsibility? I know you cannot uh, follow these guys around and, and you can't control them. They're left left to their own uh, volition. They're le- left to their their own decisions, and that's the problem. Uh, because uh, you know, most of the time they're not educated. Uh, they play a brutal sport. Uh, they're highly paid, and then when they have too much time on their hands, what do they do? Well. There's not much else you can do um, if you're not working and you don't have uh, a traditional nine-to-five job. You've got time on your hands, and what does that normally mean when you uh, when you're a male? Uh, you know, a young male. It means well, let's get on the let's get on the booze with the boys. Nothing wrong with that, but uh, you know, it just gets out of control. Let's let's gamble. Let's punt. Uh, really looking for for stuff to do. Uh, just to because uh, there's no structure now during the season. Obviously, you have training, you have um, you know you have your off days, you have uh, recovery, training, you have games. It's very routine and very structured. Um, but when that off season rolls around and they've got you know that 10, 12, 13, 14 weeks uh, of uh, of downtime before preseason, that's when uh, it is absolute chaos and it's consistently going on in the NRL um, and. You know, what can they do to stop uh, to stop players uh, getting absolutely out of control? Because it's only a matter of time before before someone dies. It, it really is. It has been. It is like the Wild West, highly entertaining, as I said. And you get a real similar situation over in uh, in the NFL uh, during the off season there. But you just—it's just at a whole new level in terms of um, the money that they have access to. You're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars, um, and and the trouble that they get into with uh, with booze, with drugs, with violence. It is uh, 
It is unbelievable, and we are seeing some of it here in Australia with our own codes, especially with the rugby league. And uh, it has been a, uh, a tumultuous off-season for league headquarters and Todd Greenberg. Uh, I don't know what he can do uh, moving forward, but uh, it is out of control, and players need to really take a good look at themselves because, uh, look, as I said, you know, I'm really not judging... Uh, you know what players do uh, it's just concerning because it's only a matter of time before somebody gets absolutely seriously seriously hurt and when I say that uh, seriously hurt I mean like lose a life there's some players there uh, during this off season here just recently that uh, you saw photos of them banged up in hospital um, with severe severe injuries um, and you know they've got to go into massive rehabilitation just to get back out there on the park. And players need to ask the question, like, is it really worth it? Um, isn't it best just to keep low-key, um, stay focused, stay grounded, stay humble, and um, not put your life at risk? Um, it's, it's going on uh, time and time again, and we've got to bring it up here on the coalface. Uh, the NRL uh, integrity unit, the NRL... Uh, player welfare, uh, they've got to put some parameters in place to protect the players and the athletes from themselves because clearly uh, they can't do it for themselves uh, and someone is seriously going to get hurt. This is Jade Cole for the Colf Man. This is No Holds Barred. Well, the question's got to be asked, what can you do? I mean, what can you do? People are probably going, well, there's nothing you can do. You can't control these players. Well, no, I'm not disagreeing. You're absolutely correct. But someone's going to die. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time. And uh, as I said, highly entertaining. But the safety of these athletes and these players, uh, it's got to be seriously looked into because they can't get out of their own way. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, they just have too much time on their hands. When they haven't got that structure, they haven't got that routine, it is uh, absolute pandemonium and chaos. And only a matter of time before someone is severely, severely, not only injured, but uh, they, they lose uh, a fatality. There you go. A fatality will occur. Mark my words. NBA action, some cracking games today on ESPN. As I said earlier on on the program, it was the Celtics and the Clippers uh, in a beauty uh, at the Staples Centre. The the Celtics uh, looked the goods for for three and a half quarters, uh, playing some tremendous ball, and it was the first time that the Clippers had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor together. Uh, They looked good. It was Patrick Beverly who... Uh, really kept them in the game. He's been diabolical from long range throughout the season thus far, only making one of 15 threes. He made four or five in today's contest. He was left open uh, on quite a few, and he stepped up and made them. And uh, it was uh, scrappy uh, Beverly with his, uh, you know, with his defense. He's known as a defensive uh, defensive stalwart. Stalwart, he got in there and, and played hard. Marcus Smart for the Celtics was also very good as well. Uh, 
He, uh, those two guys, very, very similar players. And it was a good contest. Jason Tatum was impressive for the Celtics. He's a smooth operator. He's Tatum. And uh, look, I really believe he's their marquee guy. Kemba Walker struggled uh, for three quarters, got going in the fourth, but it was a tough day at the office for him. Uh, the Clippers' defense, uh, it stood up today. They, they were impressive. Uh, that's for sure. It was a good contest with two teams that uh, are going to be uh, in the mix, uh, both in the Eastern and the Western Conferences, no doubt about that. And uh, the Clippers got over the line in a beauty in overtime. Um, and it is uh, it was it was a it was a good contest. It was a it was a great match, and um, it was um, it had all the hallmarks of uh, really a, a playoff kind of intensity. Obviously, they'll only see each other twice uh, throughout the season, but it was a good contest, a good test for both teams, and yep. Things are starting to take place, uh, take shape. We're only about 15 games in to this NBA season. Uh, but it's the Lakers out west who have the the best record in the NBA, sitting at 12-2. and two. And we're just going to talk about LeBron James. The, look, LeBron really doing everything. It, let's just be honest here. LeBron is he's the Swiss Army knife. He is the Swiss Army knife of, of the NBA. He's the greatest player out there at, at multiple things. Um, in terms of scoring, rebounding, um, uh, assisting. And what he's doing so far this season in his 17th year is nothing short of remarkable. In his early years, he was a, he was a power player, really, in those early years. And then, you know, he worked out he had to shoot threes. Okay, the league changed. He had to shoot threes. So instead of just complaining about it, not doing anything about it, he goes out and says, well, I'm going to learn how to shoot threes. So... So he goes out and learns how to shoot threes. He, he, become, he became a, a top five player uh, in three-point shooting at six foot nine. At, at six foot nine in height and probably looking at, what would 120 kilograms be a stretch? 120, 130 kilograms at six foot nine. He, he worked out he had to shoot threes. So he goes out, learns the three-point, becomes top five in three-point shooting, okay, which is remarkable, really. Um, and then this year... He decides, oh, we've got some new recruits coming in. We've got Anthony Davis coming in. Uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma, we've, we've been fortunate enough to, to keep him. We've got Dwight Howard coming in. He's a bit of a train wreck. He's a bit of a mess. Um, and LeBron goes, oh, well, this year, um, let me play point guard. I'm, I'm going to play point guard. And people look at it and go, uh, is that really a good idea? You know, where's Rondo going to play? Do, do you really want to be taking on that responsibility? And statistically, he's now the NBA's best point guard in the league, statistically speaking, putting up over 11 dimes a contest. It's just remarkable what's going on. Off to a phenomenal start, and Lakers 12-2. and two. It is a long year, that's for sure, averaging probably around about 35 minutes a contest um, right now. Probably don't want to go any higher than that, but he's just a real handful. There's no doubt about that. And as the season continues to progress, the bottom line is a healthy LeBron James has made the made the finals eight straight years in a row before last season. And he got nicked up on Christmas Day against the Warriors, got, had that groin injury and was out. Uh, when he came back, you know, things had really uh, unraveled for those Lakers with that young Lakers team. Um, 
But he had them third in the West. Even that team with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Um, who else was out there? They had uh, Josh Hart. He was he was a, he was a player there as well. Um, who else did they have there? They had um, they had a couple of uh, they had a couple of other misfit players there as well. Um, oh, Lance Stevenson. Yeah, they had Lance Stevenson, uh, who's who's limited. He's a bit of a circus act. Um, but he had him third in the West. But the bottom line is, up until that point, a healthy LeBron James had made eight straight finals, eight straight years uh, in the finals. So it really comes down to, uh, you know, a healthy LeBron James. Who is who's going to stop him in May when when it's all said and done? Because if he's healthy. He really hasn't been able to be stopped unless you had that outrageous Golden State uh, team that was loaded with Curry, you know, Thompson Green, Kevin Durant, you know, Livingston off the bench, loaded, absolutely loaded. Um, and, and even then, um, when Kevin Love got hurt, Kyrie got hurt, uh, he had Matthew Dellavedova as he, he, they went down 4 2. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, able to be stopped. What was it against Iguodala, was it? Iguodala got, Andre Iguodala got the MVP and LeBron averaged, what was it, 36, 13 and 9 or something something like that. You know, something outrageous. So he is absolutely just on a tear right now. And when he has, uh, when he gets angry and he's got, uh, you know, something to prove, it is scary what he does. And, you know, the Clippers today, you know, they can throw multiple guys at him come, uh, come the business end. So maybe the Clippers, can, you know, they can throw those guys at him. They've got, you know, Paul George working his way back in. They've got Leonard. They've got Beverly. They've got multiple guys that you can continue to throw at him. Um, but just remarkable what's going on uh, with, uh, with LeBron. Word is, too, the Lakers are really looking to acquire Andre Iguodala, who's stuck on the pine in Memphis, I believe. I don't think he's even really played uh, a whole lot, but um, look for the look for the Lakers to acquire uh, Andre Iguodala, which will give them more length, more experience, and more three-point shooting. I think if they get Iguodala, I think it's over. I really do. I think it's over. If you bring Iguodala in, I know uh, he's not in his prime, but he can give you, you know, 16 to 20 minutes a night uh, out there on the wing can hit shoot the open three can play uh, can play defense and uh, you know has has great length and and uh, NBA finals experience I think if the Lakers get Iguodala it puts them over the top I think it puts them over the top and as I said they're already starting to pull away uh, from some of these other teams in the West Denver are hanging around they beat Houston today uh Houston have been going well, but it's really the James Harden show there. Russell Westbrook's done a tremendous job um, so far this year, shooting uh, really good numbers, around about 47 48%. Um, he is keeping it together, but they are a bit of a sideshow, the Rockets. Look, Harden's averaging somewhat of 39 points a game, and it's really absolutely ridiculous. The, the other night, the other evening, he had 22 three-point attempts. That's not just 22 shots. That's 22 three-point attempts from long range. So they're entertaining. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's all about James Harden 
and team basketball. Uh, basketball, it's a team game. We've spoken about this time and time again on the show. We see it on sports panels all the time. Uh, an incredible one-on-one player is Harden, uh, but they uh, remain a bit of a circus act, um, and they got found out today by the Denver Nuggets, who are, I believe they're a legitimate team, the Denver Nuggets. A young team, got big uh, big Nikolai Jokic, uh, the Joker in the middle, um, and uh, as the season progresses, they're a, they're a team that um, they're legit, that's for sure. They play good team basketball, um, they've got a, a bunch of shooters, and they've got the big man in the middle who's a little bit unconventional, but uh, look, they're a legit team. They're moved to about 10-3 and three on the year, um, and uh, the Rockets uh, really, uh, as I said, they they only go as far as Harden can go, but if he's not willing to pass the ball, um, then, um, you know, they'll win their 50, 55 games, that's for sure, but over seven games, um, I can't see them, uh, you know, making it to the NBA Finals and coming out of the West. Uh, I believe it's the two... LA teams, the Battle of Los Angeles, as we like to say here uh, at No Holds Barred. And LeBron James so far has got to be the MVP uh, of the season so far through the first 15 games. Leonard has already missed four or five games with the whole load management nonsense. Uh, We keep hearing it time and time again. And the Clippers uh, have got to be a little bit nervous about that. the win today over the Celtics will relief, uh, release a little bit of pressure on uh, on the Clippers. Paul George coming back. Uh, he's been in good form since coming back. He looks like he, uh, he hasn't missed a beat. He's looking very, very smooth as, as he was today. Heck of a player. Heck of a heck of a player, that's for sure. Very, very smooth. Uh, has long reach. They're going to be good on the perimeter. But it's this one-two punch of LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis that is setting the league alight. And the Lakers are the big brother. It's really as simple as that. They're making all the noise. Uh, LeBron's the flavor of the league once again. And, um, you know, the uh, the Clippers, uh, uh, they've, got to, they've got to prove that uh, they'll be there uh, come the... the uh, the serious part of the season, but they're already uh, four or five games back of the Lakers. So, you know, home court advantage, they play in the same building. Um, Look, if LeBron's playing every game um, and uh, the Lakers continue to win and Kawhi uh, is sitting in street clothes on back-to-backs or, um, you know, he's carrying a a little bit of an injury, uh, it, uh, it, it does not look good. Uh, for the Clippers, solid win today. They needed that one there, but it is all about LeBron James and the Lakers. It's what people are talking about, and so they should. Sitting at 12-2 and two and looking the goods, LeBron James is back, and he is proving uh, to everybody in the basketball world that uh, how great he is, and GOAT conversations have come up once again. Uh, it is a long season. But so far, so good in Hollywood, and things are absolutely pumping. We'll talk more about this uh, as the season continues. It's a hot topic. Uh, The LeBron Lakers and the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and the Clippers. But the Lakers, the one-two punch, LeBron and Davis, they are hot right now. Best record in the league, and LeBron MVP in my eyes so far. 
This is the Colf Man. You're listening to No Holds Barred. We'll be back to wrap up the show. It's been a beauty. What a show. What a show. Fantastic episode. Plenty going on in the sports world. And as I said, that great time of year when the NFL season overlaps with the NBA season. The NBA season uh, is, as I said, 15 games in and I can't get enough of it. Watching games all the time, looking at scores all the time and um, what LeBron's doing uh, is truly remarkable in, uh, in in year 17. Quick shout out too to uh, Luka Don- Donkic of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, that young man put up another 30-point triple-double today against the Warriors, against the abysmal Warriors, we should say. Uh, They are copying some absolute pastings, uh, the Golden State Warriors, and getting a little bit of medicine back um, from the last couple of years. Teams are enjoying that, but Luka Donkic is absolutely balling uh, out there. We could be looking at at, at the next great generational player, and the Mavericks uh, have got to be very, very excited uh, about that. But uh, needs a little bit of help there, Porzingis. He's been a bit slow to get moving, um, and uh, you know it may take some time there. But Donkic, they have a legitimate superstar right there. Uh, there in uh, in Dallas, Mark Cuban got to be over the moon with that one there. But what a show! It's been fantastic. Uh, coming up, the next show we got we've got as I said, plenty of NFL action coming up uh, this weekend. Cowboys versus Patriots, Monday night football. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson uh, in uh, in action once again. We're going to bring it to you. And we've got the Davis Cup going on over there in Madrid. The new format, the controversial new format. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Australia have moved into the quarterfinals with Kyrgios and Diminar leading the Aussie charge. Uh, we'll talk about the week-long event, Davis Cup, how it's changed Um, and whether or not it's a winner or it's not, very controversial. But Australia into the quarterfinals, and we'll bring you more NBA action. Uh, There's no doubt about that. This show loves the NBA. We're going to talk about it nonstop. LeBron, Anthony Davis, the Lakers, uh, the Clippers, and uh, we will continue to bring you all the action in the games and all the hot topics uh, this is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. It's been great. Bring it to you. We will see you on the next show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you soon. Squat chains, though. You better fall. Pick it up. Call me. Welcome. We don't even talk no more. And you don't even call no more. We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more And I heard it through the grapevine, we even beefing now After all the years we've been down, ain't no way, no how This bullshit can't be true, we family, ain't a damn thing changed Bless so young, so full of life, environment side by side Wherever you was riding, I went so close Almost on some Bonnie and Clyde shit When Ronnie died, you was right by my side With a shoulder to cry on, a tissue to wipe my eyes in a bucket to catch every tear I cried inside it You even had the same type of childhood I did Sometimes I just wanna know why Is it the deuce that came to yours and mine I survived it You 
ran the streets, high nine to five, yeah. We grew up, grew apart, as time went by us, then I blew up to both yours and mine, surprises. Now I feel the vibe, I just can't describe it. Much as your pride tries to hide it, your cold, your touch, it's just like ice in your eyes. It's a look of resentment, I can sense it, and I don't like it. How come we don't even talk no more? And you don't even call no more? We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more. And I heard it through the grapevine, we even beefing now. After all the years we've been down, ain't no way, no how. This bullshit can't be true. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.